today we're going to be jumping into a new series on Ezekiel. But before we jump into that, I know we have uh, a couple people who are here with us for the first time today. And so if you are a first timer, you are super hardcore and brave. And so can we put our hands together for those who are with us for the first time today? We are glad to have you with us. This whole thing has been absolutely crazy. Uh, This whole thing has been insane. I am so glad to actually be here seeing all of you guys face to face. So believe it or not, the TV preacher life is not for me. I do not like preaching to a camera. So you guys actually have three months of amens to make up for in this sermon today. Uh, No one was shouting me down for like three months and I was like, it was rough, y'all. So you guys got some extra shouting to do today. But it, it's just great, great seeing people. I'll be honest, I'm somebody who is an introvert that you wouldn't believe it because I'm up on stage all the time with a loud mouth and I get it. Uh, but believe it or not, the first few weeks of the pandemic, I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is great. I'm able to take some time. And then after like two weeks, I was like, this has to end. Like, I have to see a human being. I need to see somebody. I'm going to go out to the grocery store just to see somebody. Like, I just had to get out there. And You probably know this, that things are a little bit chaotic out there right now. Uh, I remember early on specifically, especially in the grocery stores, for those of you who braved the grocery stores early on, there was this sense of like, it's every man for himself. And if I need to fight you for this toilet paper, like we're going to throw down. Like, like, I'm not going to lie, I pushed a guy over at one point, I had to step over a lady. I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, we're leaving this church. I remember at one point, though, I was in, this, uh, in the, this little shop and save, this little grocery store in Hubbard where Kelly and I live, and it was early on. There was, like, this tenseness in the atmosphere. Like, people are, like, scattering to and fro. It's like you have to get the last thing of bread because you're never going to eat bread again if you don't get that last one. And I'm not kidding to you. As this, like, chaos is happening, I think I was just trying to get, like, a carton of eggs or something. No lie, the song, The Final Countdown, is playing in the background. (laughs) Like, this is not a joke. Like, there's people running, it's chaotic, and all you hear is, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, all the stuff I learned about the end times is out the window. Like, this is it, like, right here. Like, this is how the world ends. Like, this is, it's just over right here. Uh, It was just chaotic. It was insane. I remember at one point, I was walking into Home Depot with a mask, because I felt like that's what I want to do. I'm not going to push that on anybody else, but I'm going to wear a mask. So as I'm walking into the store, this lady is yelling at me from her car. She, okay, so she was driving in the car with her mask on, which can we all just admit that's a little bit weird, okay? Even for people who wear a mask, it's a little extreme if you're in the car by yourself. But anyways, so this lady rolls down her window and says, You and I are the only ones wearing masks in this store. And I told them, I'm never coming back here. She's like yelling as she's driving away. I'm like, what is happening to this planet right now? Like, what is like, we lost all like niceness and human interaction that somehow during this thing, like everything is upside down. Like all of a sudden isolation is good. Hugging people is bad. Like everything is upside down. I don't know what to do. It's all just crazy. But in the midst of this whole thing, uh, something did happen, which uh, we all kind of went through without even acknowledging. And that's that this church celebrated its one year anniversary on Easter, which is just amazing. 
I'll be honest, I did not expect this church to uh, celebrate that way. Well, really, we did nothing. So next year, for the two-year, we're going to do double the partying, double the celebration. Uh, but it's just been amazing to see all that God has done in this year, and so I'm super thankful for it. One other thing which I'll mention is that uh, Kelly did open her chiropractic office just last week, so we are super, super excited about that. Uh, Some of you are saying a pandemic is a bad time to launch a business. Listen, we get it, but we waited long enough, and we believe God is totally going to bless it, and so we believe God is going to use it, uh, and Kelly's going to help a lot of people, so I wanted to mention that as well. But let's, uh, let's jump into the Word this morning and turn this into a real church service. So we're going to be reading Ezekiel 37. This is the famous passage of the Valley of Dry Bones. And so if you're taking notes, uh, you can go ahead and uh, write that down or turn there in your Bible or in your phone. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So he says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them. But... There was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Just a few more verses here. Verse 11. Says, then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. So here in this passage, the, the prophet Ezekiel, this, this great man of God, He has these very extraordinary visions, and uh, if you read the book of Ezekiel, probably more than all the other prophets, he has these just very clear visions, these very clear, vivid things where the Spirit of the Lord takes him and shows him this, this crazy scene. And so Ezekiel sees this whole valley 
full of bones that are completely dry. And God tells Ezekiel, he says, this, this valley of bones, it represents the house of Israel, that they are away in exile, and they feel like they're cut off. They're cut off, their souls are dead, their souls are dying, and there's no life in them anymore in this exile. So why were the children of Israel in exile? Why were they in a foreign land? The reason they were in a foreign land was because the Israelites, after they had entered into the promised land and they had all these judges and kings, King David, King Solomon, over the course of time, because of sin, because of their wickedness, God had allowed these foreign nations to come and bring them out of their land as a punishment for their sin. And so the prophets are looking forward to the day when God redeems the people of Israel, when, they, when the Israelites see their hardness of heart, see the error of their ways, and they return to the one true God. And so Ezekiel here, he's looking and he's saying, how can I do anything about this whole valley of dry bones? Ezekiel's here like, Israel is basically dead in their graves. Israel is in a dark place. They're in a place where I don't know if I can do anything about it place where who knows how to fix this. I mean, if they're sick, at least maybe they could be healed. If they were broken, at least they could be put back together again. But, but what do you do when they're actually dead, when there's like, there's nothing left to even do? How do you solve that problem? And so Ezekiel is in this place where he doesn't quite know what to do. He doesn't know how to solve it. Now, I don't need to tell you this, but we are in a few situations here in this country that we're not quite sure how to get out of. At some point, you start to feel like this lady who you will see on the screens here, where we're not sure what's happening from one day to the next. Me looking outside to see what chapter of Revelation we're doing today. Revelation chapter 4, we do in chapter 12. Is this the Antichrist, the dragon, the beast? Is this the bowl of wrath, the trumpet? What are we doing today? Right? Like it's, you don't know, like day to day, what's going to happen? So obviously we have the, the pandemic, COVID-19, this virus which is infecting people. Now just to give you a few stats here real quick. Globally, they say there's been around 6.5 million infections of the virus and close to 400,000 deaths. Now, some of you would say these numbers are overinflated because they're just reporting everything is the virus. Some of you would say these numbers aren't high enough because they're not testing everybody. However you look at these numbers, let's just say this is what these are. So this is a lot. Can we all agree like that's just a lot? Something that none of us saw coming. I'll be honest, I had all kinds of plans for 2020, for my life and for the church. None of them included three months of a pandemic. Like, this thing just came out of nowhere. Even to this day, I'm still like, I can't believe that it actually got to that point, right? Like, it's just crazy. It's crazy what has happened. Now, because of that, there's also a concern about an economic recession. There's concerns because we had to shut down the economy for a period of time, rightly so, so we could flatten the curve. But now we're looking at a point where we're, because we had to do that, perhaps we're in a place where we're entering into a new recession again. 
Some statistics here. Black Thursday, which was March 12th of this year, saw the largest single-day percentage drop in the market since the 1987 stock market crash. The biggest drop. Now, the market has begun to recover a bit, but some are wondering if it will hold. Are we going back to a great recession? The unemployment levels are actually higher than they were in the recession in 08. In fact, these are the highest levels of unemployment since the Great Depression. And so some are wondering, can maybe if we get through the virus, can the economy, what's going to happen to the economy? How do we deal with this problem? Right, so these are complex issues because we know that if we didn't do anything, the numbers of death from the virus would be much higher. But we also know that when the economy closes down, we know that statistically when the the economy's down, crime goes up, the divorce rate goes up, depression and suicide go up. So if we're somebody who's trying to make wise decisions, how do you judge between two decisions that make it seem like people are going to suffer and die either way, right? Complicated issues. Here's another issue that's not been in the news a whole lot, but just in 2020, there's been 18 million global abortions this year, just this year. Some have actually said that because a number of Planned Parenthoods and a number of abortion clinics closed down because of the virus, Some have said that the virus has actually saved more lives than it's taken. Isn't that crazy to think about? 18 million just since January 1st of this year. And that's less than what it would have been. America is indeed a valley of dry bones. Another one that you might have seen on the news, uh, America is on fire, right? Right? Cities are burning because of this thing that is happening in regards to racial injustice in this country. Now, there's a whole lot that can be said about this, and this is also an issue which thankfully is not polarized at all, and everybody is in total agreement on this, so nothing I'm about to say is controversial at all. That was facetious. (laughs) But here's the reality a number of black men, which I think most of us would agree, did not deserve to die, have died. And that's a problem. That's a problem that as America and as a society, we need to deal with because this is not a one-off incident. Now, I think we can all agree also that most cops are good people. All of us would probably agree that Cops are people who deserve respect because they're putting their lives on the line every day to keep us safe. Will we agree with that? So we end up finding ourselves in this complicated situation because because this thing is so polarized, nobody knows how to disagree and still be friends. Nobody knows how to uh, be in the middle when everything is so polarized. And so We have some people on one side who say this whole thing is ridiculous. This whole thing is a mess. There's no racism at all in this country. We have no problems. And then you have people on the other side who are like, let's steal some TVs from Target while we're at it. Like, let's just do this thing. And so the reality is for you and I, here's where I come down on this issue. To be somebody who is pro-life means to be somebody who values life inside the womb and outside the womb. 
And so what that means is we stand up against unjust violence on all sides, which means that if it's violence against police officers, we speak out against it. If it's violence by police officers, we speak out against it. You guys tracking with me? So we are in a situation, though, where it seems like no matter how hard we try, things are getting worse in 2020, where it seems like you turn on the news and there's this whole crazy other thing happening. I didn't even talk about the murder hornets yet, y'all. Listen, it's going down. We got like a couple weeks and then we might just all be gone. I don't know. You don't know. Listen, I killed a bee the other day. I'm pretty sure I saved somebody's life. I don't know. But we're in this situation in America where everything is complicated, everything is intense, everybody's shouting all the time, everybody's lined up on their side, and it's just like, this is getting worse. And I can say, if I, if I could just say one thing here, I don't think either side has all the answers. In the last hundred years, we've had a lot of great Republican presidents. We've had a lot of great Democratic presidents. And I want to tell you, if the Republicans could have fixed it by now, they would have done so. If the Democrats could have fixed it by now, they would have done so. Now listen, I know you're getting quiet on me, but stay with me. Remember, you've got to make up for three months of amens. <laughs> At some point, like Ezekiel, you and I have to come to a place where we say, we cannot fix this on our own. But at some point, you and I have to realize that as much as we try hard to have good ideas, as much as we try to be good citizens, we try to have uh, a good government and elect good leaders, we try to have healthy churches and we try to have good plans, good systems, good strategies, at some point, none of that matters in a valley of dead people. None of that matters in a valley of dry bones. At some point, you have to realize that all of us trying to put it back together doesn't work. That we can try to put some pieces back together, but you and I cannot change America any more than Ezekiel could try and stick a few bones back together and call it an army. Any more than Ezekiel can get a glue stick and some staples and, hey, look, it's a body. Any more than you could get an expert chiropractor to line up all the bones. Even if you had a brilliant surgeon who put every little bone back in its place, at some point you need breath to bring the dead thing back to life again. At some point that has to happen. So verse 2, I want to reread a few verses here and work our way through this in the next few moments. It says, And he... This is God led me, Ezekiel, around among the bones. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Let me give you a, a pro tip here. If God asks you a question and you don't know the answer, just say, O Lord, you know. Because that's 100% accurate. Here's the reality. God is not asking Ezekiel because God doesn't know the answer. See, when God asks you a question, it's not because he's hoping you'll enlighten him. When God asks you a question, it's because he's not sure if you and I know the answer. 
that he's asking the question, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live again? It's not because God is wondering if they can live again. It's because he wants Ezekiel to question. He wants Ezekiel to ask. He wants to test Ezekiel to see, do you believe, Ezekiel, that these bones can live again? My question for you, church, is do you and I believe that these dry bones can live again? Do you and I believe that God can take the mess, that he can take the darkness, that he can take the problems that are complicated, that you and I cannot figure out? Son of man, do you believe that these can live again? Do you believe that I'm not done with America? Do you believe that this world can live again? Do you believe that Cortland can live again, that Trumbull County can live again? That's the question. And here's the the thing about this, is that oftentimes in the Bible, there's stories of people who say, well, God, I believed you could have done something, but, but now it's too late. God, maybe you could have saved Israel, but now we're living in a foreign land and our hope is cut off. God, I believe you could have done something, but you didn't, and look where we're at. God, I believe you could have done great things in 2020, but look where we're at. The Bible's full of stories like that. Remember the story of Jairus' daughter in Mark 5. This man named Jairus comes to Jesus. He says, I believe that you can heal my daughter. So Jesus says, all right, let's go. So they're walking on the road, and this woman who has her own issue comes, and she needs healing. And so by the time that happens... Jairus' daughter dies. And so there's this sense of, let's not trouble the teacher any further. Because he could have done something, but now that he didn't, now we're in a dead place. Or take Mary and Martha with Lazarus. Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick, and so he stays four more days in the place where he was. And then when he travels, I think it was to Bethany, it's Martha says, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Right? I believe that you could have, but you didn't. Now, the amazing thing in that story of Lazarus and in Ezekiel 37 is this. It's that we don't just serve a God who heals the sick. We don't just serve a God who raises up the oppressed. We don't just serve a God who makes bad people good. We serve a God who makes dead people come back to life again. You see, sometimes we feel like the final chapter has already been written. Sometimes we feel like it could have happened, but the final note has been played. And God could have done something, but he didn't. And the good news of Ezekiel is that we serve a God who specializes in bringing dead things back to life again. That is the God that you and I serve, church. That is the God that you and I worshiped. Listen, we've all heard enough bad news for the last three months. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some good news. And the good news is that our God raises the dead. Our our good news is that God wins no matter what happens to this world. Church, we are talking about the ancient of days. We are talking about the creator of heaven and earth. We're talking about the God who around the throne are four living creatures who never stop crying out day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. We're talking about the God of Isaiah 66. It says heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. You know what that means? 
It means God kicks back and puts his feet up on planet Earth. Earth is his footstool. Church, this is the God that we're talking about. We're talking about a God who it doesn't matter how dark it gets, there's no valley of dry bones that he cannot bring back to life again. The old church used to say, I read the back of the book and we win. Church, there is nothing that can happen to this country or to your life that our God can't turn around. Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. See, the word breath there is the Hebrew word ruah or ruach. It has more of like a throaty hacking sound, which I'm not going to try and do for you. So we're going to call it ruach. This word ruach means, it means breath. It means wind. It means spirit. Church, it's the same word all the way back in Genesis 1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then it says the ruach, the breath of God, the wind of God was hovering over the waters. Church, let me give you some excellent news. This is a God who when he sends his breath, when he sends his wind, he brings life out of the chaos, out of the darkness, out of the death, and he brings life and beauty and order and harmony. And he's been doing it from day one. Literally day one. From day one, he's been bringing life through his spirit. That he sees this valley of dry bones. And he says, I will send my spirit and cause it to come alive again. I said, I will cause you to come up out of your graves and to come to life again. Church, let me tell you something. As much as we try to have good plans and good agendas, everything with this whole year, all my plans are out the window. At some point when you're looking at a valley of dry bones, you have to get to a point where you say, we can't do anything about this. There's nothing we can do to fix it. Who's feeling encouraged right now, right? (laughs) There's nothing, there's nothing that you and I can do that can bring life to these dry bones. At some point, you have to say, we need the Spirit. At some point, you have to say, we need a move of God to come and bring his Holy Spirit, to bring his holy breath and to breathe on our dead hearts, breathe on our dead families, breathe on our dead cities, and bring us back to life again. You want to know my strategy, my church growth strategy for 2020? It's the Spirit. Because I'm going to be honest, that's all I got. It's all I need. That, that at some point we have to realize that if he doesn't show up, we are wasting our time. If he doesn't show up in this room on Sunday mornings, we might as well hang out in our slippers on Sunday mornings forever. 
That we need him to come. We need him to move. And if he doesn't show up, then this is all a waste. Final verses that I'm going to read here. 13 says, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit, my breath, my wind within you, and you shall live. You see, he's not speaking about the afterlife here. He's not speaking about physical resurrection, although I believe that will absolutely happen. What he's talking about here is Israel who is in exile. What he's talking about is people who are not physically dead, but spiritually dead. And he says, I will put my breath in you. I will put my spirit in you. And I will raise you up out of your grave. You see, church, God is looking for somebody who will prophesy. Here's the amazing thing about this. God doesn't need Ezekiel. God could have breathed his spirit and brought the whole thing back all by himself. But for some reason, God chooses to limit his activity in the earth to his righteous people. And so he says, son of man, prophesy. Prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the breath. And it's when you and I join our breath with God's breath that life comes to dry bones. That's what prayer is. That's what prophecy is. It's when we join our breath with the breath of the Spirit. And God brings life. You see, church, there's a lot of people, a lot of people who said, you know what, I thought 2020 was going to be the year of breakthrough. I thought God told me 2020 was going to be the year of victory. I thought 2020 was going to be the year where God turns things around in my city, in my family. I thought it was going to be the year when God turned things around in this nation and in this world. And now look what happened. Every day you turn on the news, there's some issue. And this isn't like little issues here and there. This is like four or five big things that we've got to figure out as a nation. These are not little things. These are deep, systemic, structural issues. Problems in our families, problems in our cities. And many have said, you know what, I thought 2020 was going to be the year of victory, but I guess not. And church, I am here to tell you, it doesn't matter how bad it gets, we serve a God who raises the dead. In fact, I believe these things are not obstacles to God's agenda in 2020. I believe these things are not uh, obstacles to revival. In fact, if you see it right, these things are the very thing that God might use to bring revival into this nation again. Church, I do not believe that God is causing this, but I do believe that he can use it for his glory. Maybe this pandemic is the thing we need to wake us up again, church. Maybe all these problems with racial injustice will drive us to our knees seeking the spirit for answers in these times. You see, so many people see these things as obstacles to revival. But maybe this mess is the thing that God is going to use to get our attention again. Maybe this is the thing God is going to use to drive us to our knees so we can finally acknowledge it was never about how clever we are, how brilliant we are, how smart we are. The only thing that matters is the Spirit of God. See, the problem is when things are going well, we feel like we don't need God. 
Now, we're good Christians. We would never say that, right? But that's how we think. Look at me. I'm putting this thing together. I'm putting the pieces together. Look at my plan. Look at my idea. Look at my project. Look how it's all coming together. You see, revivals oftentimes in church history don't come when things were going great. That it's when crisis happened, it's when a pandemic happened, it's when the darkness came, that it's in that moment that the church actually woke up. One preacher, Leonard Ravenhill, said, he said, the world sleeps in the darkness while the church sleeps in the light. Sometimes God will use moments like this to shake us. God will use moments like this to wake us up. And this just might be the thing that makes us pray again. This just might be the thing that causes us to seek the Spirit again. Church, we need a move of God. And I believe 2020 is still the year of breakthrough. I believe 2020 is still the year of victory. I believe 2020 is still the year where God is going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh.